I don't know what it is about us coming home from a trip, but you'll never believe the mess we came back to after attending PodCon. It has been quite the crazy and exciting month, and we'll get to that mess in a second, but first, I want to tell you about our trip to PodCon. For those who don't know, PodCon is a convention for podcasts. The word PodCon is actually a portmanteau, which of course is an insert toe of the word portmanteau and meta. And, and this is because PodCon is essentially a portmanteau of a portmanteau. The first half pod comes from podcast, the combination of the words iPod and broadcast, and the second half con comes from the word constitution, and no, I don't mean the US constitution. It actually refers to constitution as in a physical resilience, because as we all know, it is exhausting to go to a convention. Despite how tired we were at the end of each day, we had an absolute blast. We got to meet so many of our heroes, the people who have inspired us as artists time and time again, and we got to meet so many of you, fellow creators and listeners who have also inspired us time and time again. Fun fact, we collected so many business cards and flyers from everyone that we had to check an additional piece of luggage at the airport just to take them all home. And of course, we were going to take them all home, because there were some really cool business cards. Now, enough about that. I'm sure you guys are just dying to know about the rest of our trip. Well, the flight home was good, if not a little scary. Our pilot was a bit of a show-off. She stayed at our cruising altitude of 35,000 feet until she was about 100 yards from the runway. Then she just turned off the engine. Our descent was about 90% freefall and 10% gliding, and it was terrifying. People were screaming. I mean, you could see the ground rapidly approaching from the window, but the weird thing was the landing was surprisingly smooth. I guess when you turn from a plane to dead weight, little gusts of winds don't really affect you. It's like dropping a rock in a windy canyon. It just goes straight down. The suspension on plane wheels these days have also gotten very advanced. We just felt a little springy bob as we hit the ground. Everyone looked around, confused, and then of course some jerks started applauding. It's their job to land a plane. The pilot stepped out, and as everyone exited, she gave her final bow. While I was in Seattle, I visited the Pinball Museum. If you're ever in that city, it is a must-visit. For $15, you can play as much pinball as you like. Now, I love pinning as much as the next guy, but this really ignited a new passion for me. They were selling off some of their machines, and one of them was only 500 bucks, which is a steal for a pinball machine. The workers said it worked fine, so I bought it and brought it home. The airport wouldn't let me take it as a carry-on, so I had to pay extra to check it as baggage, which really sucked, but they make the rules. After I got home and dealt with the mess, which I promise I'm getting to, I plugged in the machine. It was a circus-themed machine. It had bright colors, fun music, lots of lights. Like a lot. Like even for a pinball machine. The entire playfield was covered in lights. In the top right section of the machine, there was what looked to be a mechanized ventriloquist dummy head. As you played, the machine would say things like, Ooh, so close, and wow, multiball, and stuff like that. At one point, the head said, The circus is closed now, and all of the lights went off. And I'm not just talking about the pinball lights. All of the lights on Cal Island went off. I was in a basement, so it was pitch black. I had a good run going, and I could feel the ball still bumping around. When it fell to the flippers, I pressed the button, and the moment I hit the ball, the machine erupted. It began ringing every single bell. The lights were all flashing on and off, creating this, this spiral effect on the board. It was blinding. The dummy was just laughing and laughing, and, and I swear, I almost saw a hand 
reaching up from the spiraling lights. Eventually, someone came downstairs and flicked a light switch, and the moment they did, the machine just stopped. In an instant. We, uh, we still have the machine. But we don't really play it anymore. It is unplugged, and for now, we're just gonna let it be. But I'm not complaining, because that means I have the high score. Now, the mess. As I'm sure you've heard, we have an amazing team of caretakers who make sure everything is where it should be on our Cal Island commune. In fact, they did such a good job cleaning that it actually became a bit of a problem. Roombas, the most common species of robotic vacuum cleaners, are native to Cal Island. There are a lot of them here, and normally it's not an issue. They eat dirt outside, it's fine. Well, this winter has been a particularly cold one, and this has driven the Roombas inside to search for warmth. The problem is that inside, we don't have a lot of dirt. This, of course, is thanks to our amazing caretakers. Roombas, however, still need to eat, and if there isn't a mess, they are known to make one. I don't know exactly how they managed this, but the Roombas got into our cabinets. Here they found a feast. Bags of flour they'd knock over to the floor, boxes and boxes of cereal, half-eaten bags of chips, the kind with all the crushed up bits at the bottom, and they ravaged our kitchen. Now, the good news is that Roombas tend to clean up any messes they create. It's in their nature. The bad news is that they are highly intelligent, and once they find a food source, it is impossible to get rid of them. This meant that we had to hire an exterminator. There's only one exterminator that will make the trek out to Cal Island. He normally works on boats, but he's made exceptions for us before. This, of course, is none other than Rex the Exterminator, or Rexterminator, as his jet ski says. He has a lot of experience hunting down pests and rogue robots alike, which made him the perfect person to take care of this situation. Because Roombas aren't technically living beings, you can't use poisons to get rid of them. You have to do it the old-fashioned way, with a crossbow. It is time-consuming work, and Rex is still working on it. I don't know exactly where he's at right now. He stalks sneakily around the house so as not to startle the Roombas. Occasionally, we'll hear a loud thwunk, and we'll see Rex pop out from behind a curtain to go catch his bounty. He hasn't given us a time frame, but we hope he'll be done by the end of February. So, that has been our month. It has been eventful, memorable, and quite the excursion. Despite all the problems we came back to, PodCon was a blast, and we cannot wait for the next one. If you're one of the people we met there, thanks for checking us out. We really appreciate it. You just listened to Newton's Dark Room Presents. This episode was created and performed by Talon Stradley. You can find more information on this show, The Collective, and our other podcast at newtonsdarkroom.com. You can also follow us on social media at Newton's Dark Room to stay up to date on whatever we're working on. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hi, you're listening to a podcast. And if you like listening to podcasts, then that means you like two things, learning and sound. Well, what if I told you that there was a new podcast where you could learn about sound? It's called Cochlea. My name is Talon Stradley, curator of Newton's Dark Room and an audio recording major at Cal State Dominguez Hills. They say the best way to learn is to teach, so let me teach you about sound. You'll help me study and you'll learn about the medium of all your favorite podcasts, music, and more. You can find Cochlea wherever you find your podcasts or visit newtonsdarkroom.com slash cochlea. That's Cochlea, C-O-C-H-L-E-A. We'll see you over there.
Produced by Newton's Dark Room.